Good morning. Uh, there we go. I can hear myself. All right. Uh, today's scripture reading is going to be from Mark chapter 4, 21-34. Hear the word of the Lord. He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these. As they were able to understand, he did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so we're uh, loud, y'all. Uh, so we're in the book of Mark. Um, gonna, uh, we'll be going through uh, this book. I've been enjoying it. I'm enjoying studying through the book. I think one of my main jobs as a, as a pastor is to help people along their journey uh, in spiritual growth. And I think one question that, that people wrestle with a lot is whose primary responsibility is my spiritual growth? Is it me or is it God? Is it that I try really, really, really hard? Or is it that God does something in me and produces some sort of growth? Now, the, the truth is, like a lot of biblical answers, uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to, to be a Christian is to be okay with paradox. To be a Christian is to be okay with paradox. The the things that are most central to our faith are paradox. Paradox is, is two statements that seem contradictory, but they are true. So, for example, you could say, "Is the, is the Bible written by people or, or is it written by God?" Yes. You could say. Is, is Jesus, is he, is he a man or is he God? Yes. Is God three or is he one? Yes. So, so the, the, the most central things to our faith are a paradox. So if you are a Christian, you have to actually be okay with that paradox. And the fact that it is a paradox should make you marvel at God. The fact that you can't understand it. You can receive it and believe in it, but it's like when somebody says, yo, explain the Trinity to me, I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. 
You know, like, I'm going to make a couple stabs at it. But the, the reality is God, God is so far above our comprehension that as he reveals himself to us, we can say, thank you for revealing that to me. I would not have come to that conclusion on my own. Now, the major weight from this passage, and I think from the rest of Scripture, the major weight of spiritual growth, the major weight on ministry falls on God. And you should hear that as good news. That, that, that the one who is responsible for your spiritual growth is the Lord of heaven and earth. That the one who says, I'm going to take responsibility for if your ministry is successful is the one who can raise the dead. And in this passage, Jesus is saying that he will grow his kingdom in and through to his disciples as they listen and obey. That he will grow his kingdom through his disciples as they listen and obey. So let's ask for his help. Lord Jesus, please help us to understand your word. We can't understand it without you. And, and Lord, not simply that we would understand it in our minds, but it would sink down in our hearts and it would produce change. Lord, that it would produce not just, oh, that's interesting, but, but Lord, help me to obey and help me to endure. Only, only by the power of the Spirit can you produce that change in us. So we ask you, produce change in our hearts through your word. Amen. Amen. So we get to the first part in verse 21 through 23, and we get this idea that disciples of Jesus ought to glorify God. Verse 21, he, Jesus, he also said to them, as a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. Anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when we look at a, a passage of scripture, we always say that context is context is king. So, so if we're trying to understand what the scripture is talking about, you need to look at what it said before and look at what it said after. That's going to help you understand what's going on. So the verse right before our passage, Jesus says, and in explaining this parable, he says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest. So he's saying that the disciples that listen and obey God's word bear the fruit of devotion to God, that there is, there is, there is a growing love and affection for God, and they bear the fruit of good works towards their neighbor. And he's saying, listen, as God is doing this in you, listen, it's not just for you. As God is producing spiritual growth in you, it's not simply just for you, but Christ wants his disciples to glorify God among people. That the works that they do would be seen by others, and others would go, well, man, I think God might be good based on what they do. Based on the way they act, maybe God is someone I could pay attention to. I know this because Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. See, the reality is this, that the way we act as Christians has a direct effect on how people understand God. And let me be clear. The way we act as Christians does not determine how God actually is, but it does determine people's perceptions of what he's like. 
And so if we are claiming him and tripping in every area of our life, then the perception of those around us is that's not really a God I want to follow. Doesn't seem like he produces good fruit in people. That person is gossiping. That person is treating people negatively. That person lacks discipline. When there's a perception that, that we are painting of God by our conduct that is negative, that should trouble us because it has something to say about our Father who is in heaven. You know, one of the things that I've been doing uh, with my kids in our devotions is we've been memorizing and trying to understand the Ten Commandments. I know it's old school, right? So we try to memorize and understand the Ten Commandments. And, and commandment uh, number three is do not take the Lord's name in vain. Now you hear that and you're like, I probably just shouldn't be cussing and saying God's name. And I think that's true, but I think it has more to say than that. When God creates a people, he puts his name on them. Yeah, so, so, so I have a people, they're called the Broadduses, and my kids have my name on them. Yeah, they have my name on them. And the way that they act bears a reflection on who? Me. So if we in a grocery store, y'all know how it is. If we in a grocery store and they wilding out, I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Not, I'm, 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 like, I'm kind of mad at them for tripping, but I'm like, they're they going to think I'm a bad parent. Like, I can't control my kids. I'd be like, well, I'd be like you, you know who you is, bro? You're chill out. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so the idea is this, this. This idea of bearing God's name is the fact that when we belong to God, his name is on us. And if we behave in a way that doesn't reflect his name, we are bearing God's name in vain. We are not accurately reflecting the name that has been placed on us by grace. So Jesus is saying, look, represent me right. Now, this isn't only a negative thing. I think this is saying that God is proud of his children, that he wants others to see their progress. Now, 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 you, you know, so as a, as a baby grows and like they say like, you know, dad, dad, you're like, oh, snap. And then, then you're like, hey, listen to my baby. He says that. Now, everybody else is like, cool. You know, <laughs> but the person, the person whose baby it is like, Look, then they're like, oh, look at my baby. He walked in. They're like, yeah, everybody do that. But no, he is, though. He walked in. Listen, listen, when, when, when our children make progress, what you, what you naturally do? Look, look. Why? Why? Because you feel a sense of, of pride. And so God is saying, look, look, look at the spiritual fruit that is produced in your life. I am proud of you. And I want others to see this progress because I love you. I enjoy you. And I am proud of the steps that you are taking towards me. And listen, you may think it's a little step. Or the person next to you might not think it's that impressive. But how do we do? When our children make progress, that, like where well, this is their age, they usually do that thing. So, look. Oh, God takes pleasure in our spiritual growth. And, and here's the deal. I see examples of, of God's progress of spiritual growth in the life of our congregation. Like, like, like being a pastor, it, 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 there's a double-edged sword because, like, you get to see people, like, at their worst, right? That, that's, they, you were there, okay? They, you get a call. But at the same time, you get to see people making these, these steps forward in the faith, and I can discern the Lord's pleasure in it. I was talking to a, a sister in our church the other day, and she was, she was recounting to me of, of how she thought she lacked spiritual growth. 
And I just said, respectfully, I actually disagree with you because <laughs> I've seen this. I've seen the Lord make progress in your heart. I've seen you take steps of obedience. I've seen how you have pursued others with the love of Christ. Maybe your perception of yourself isn't accurate. Maybe you need to have a more Godward perception of yourself who rejoices in every single step you make towards his kingdom. Listen, if, if you see others making progress with the Lord, you should tell them. You, you should help them rejoice in God's work in their lives. You should help them see that God looks at them and just doesn't say, oh gosh, here this person is. Messing them. No, no, he sees their steps of faith and he rejoices in that. Right? Now Jesus is trying to encourage his disciples and we get to verse 24 and 25, we see that, that, that he expresses this idea. Faithfulness produces growth. Faithfulness produces growth. Verse 24, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The synopsis is this. If we hear and obey what we receive from Christ, he will give us more it says, if you are faithful with what you have, what? More will be given to you. I want you to, like, pay attention to the tenses in the Bible. More, more will be given. It's not like you're going to conjure up more. What? More will be given to you. If you listen and obey Christ, you, Christ will give you more understanding and more growth. What I love about this is, is it's this, this posture of, of receiving God's word and seeking to endure. It's not a posture of like you have superhuman strength and you're just like killing it. It's like I'm just, I, you said this and I'm going to just hold on to it. Like you said this and I'm, I'm going to just try to endure. It's not that, that you are this, this superhero of spiritual growth. It's that you take God's word and you say, I'm going to try to cling to this. I'm going to hold it and I'm going to try to obey. And God says, if you do that, guess what? I will produce spiritual growth in you. Y'all, we need to marvel at this promise that God says, you endure, you receive, you take those steps in obedience and watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I'm going to do in your heart. Watch what I'm going to do and how you act and behave towards others. Listen, Jesus is taking responsibility for your spiritual growth. He's taking responsibility for you being a more loving person, for you seeking to be obedient, by you just holding fast to your Seeking to obey him in the little things. He's saying, I got you. And I'm going to do something in you. And that should give you some encouragement to keep pressing forward. But then there's a warning in the verse too, right? Whoever does not have, even that will be taken away from him. The fact of the matter is, if you do not presently respond to Christ, it will stunt your spiritual growth. You can't, you'd be like, well, a year ago, I was really walking the Lord. That was a year ago, bro. Like, what about now? Like, like, are you seeking obedience to the Lord now? Are you seeking to receive his word now? If not, the net effect isn't neutral. Yeah? It's, you're not coasting. There's no coasting in, 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 in spiritual life. Either you're progressing or you're falling away. Yeah? So hold firm to the word. 
Now, the reality is, I imagine the people hearing this back in the day and us now, we could doubt this truth of the promise of growth. You'd be like, but really, though, Jesus, for real, for real? So Jesus gives us some, some parables to encourage us. He gives us some parables to, to help us to, to persevere. Look at verse 26. It says, the kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces the crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. I think what Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable is that the word of God planted in our hearts will produce fruit. Not maybe. Not, I don't, I don't know, no, no. If, if the word of God is planted in your heart, it will produce fruit. Like, I want you to notice, like, the farmer, he's out there planting, he's doing his thing. But, like, in verse 27, he's like, it's growing, and it says, he don't even know how. He wakes up, oh, shoot, look at, that thing is growing. What? I mean, I, I didn't even know, I was asleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, he is somewhat kind of, like, confused about it. He's like, I, I knew I was planting and watering, but then I went to sleep, and I woke up, and then the thing got bigger. He's, he's kind of marveling at the fact that, listen, listen, I don't care how good of a farmer you are, you can't make something grow. Yeah? So he's doing what he ought to do, but then he wakes up and goes, man, look, look you there. I was growing some zucchini one time, and, you know, you walk out there, you're like, I don't know if it's going to work. You know what I'm saying? You walk out there, oh, shoot, you see that? <laughs> you're kind of surprised, you know what I'm like? I didn't even know it was going to work like that. Listen, that's how spiritual growth is. That, that, that we are consistently receiving God's word. That we're seeking to obey in the ways that we can. And we get messed around and look around like, oh, snap, God ain't grew. He is the one taking responsibility. We have a promise that God's word will have an effect. Isaiah 55, 11, it says, is God speaking. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper what I send to do it. So, so part of my goal in life is like, well, if his word going to do something, I mean, let me just get in the way of it. You know, <laughs> like, let me just let me read it. Let me listen to it. Let me be around it. If it's actually if, if he said, yo, I'm going to do it. Well, OK, well, I'm here. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, let me get some of that, because if your word is powerful, then I need to put my face up in it so that I can I can I can produce fruit, not because of the, the, the efforts of my own heart, but because you said, Lord, that if your word is exposed to my heart, that you will produce something in it. So let me get up in the way, because I want that. Another thing I want you to notice about this, this parable is that the growth is not instantaneous. When he's describing it, he says, you know, the soul produces the crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the, the full grain on the head. You know, things in creation usually grow at a progressive rate. Like, that's why when somebody's one, they're not a grown person, right? That'd be weird. But things usually kind of grow as a progressive rate. You know, a tree doesn't just start as a giant tree. It starts as a seed. But the same God who, who manufactured and, and produced all of creation is the same God who is the God of your salvation. And most of the time, spiritual growth is slow and progressive. There might be moments of a jump, but most of the time, 
it's kind of indiscernible. You know, like, I, I, you ever see, like, on TV where, you know, they might have a child and, like, every so often they kind of uh, draw a line on the wall to see how tall the child is getting? You know what I'm talking about? So we started doing that. And I'd be, I'd be, I'd be surprised. I'm like, I don't even know you do like that. Like, you know, like, like, like day to day, it's kind of imperceptible, right? You can't, you can't, you can't really see it. But, but, but as you kind of take inventory, you're like, oh, he did grow. And I didn't even know it. Wow, that's a spiritual growth as well. It's slow and progressive. But this is what, this is what you need to hear. Because it is slow and progressive, you have to be patient with yourself. If you have some sort of besetting sin, if you're, if you're struggling with something and you're like, why am I not over this yet? Now you need to have a realistic expectation based on what Jesus promises. It's progressive. That also means you need to be patient with others. When somebody's doing something that frustrates you, you're like, why won't they just change? Well, do you? Or does it happen over time? This encourages us to be patient with ourselves. Some of, us, some of us are so harsh, so harsh with ourselves. And God is so patient. But sometimes we're so harsh with others. To fix yourself. It don't work like that because it don't work like that for you. So we ought to be patient. So here's, here's the thing. Even though it's slow, according to this parable, the harvest is guaranteed. It might be slow, but it's a guarantee. It might be slow, but he says, look, 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 look. There will be a harvest. God will produce this growth. It might look slow and it might be painfully slow in your opinion, but God is going to produce growth. So that should produce a sort of confidence in you about your spiritual growth. That, yeah, you're seeking the Lord, and it might be arduous, and you might be struggling, and you might be falling down and stumbling and rolling down a hill, whatever you're doing. It might not look pretty, but you have this promise that if I stay in front of God's word, he will give me growth. Not maybe, not if, but he will. And that also should produce confidence in you when you do ministry. I define ministry as this, that we serve and speak in the name of Jesus. And sometimes I'm speaking a whole lot in a lot of different areas, and it don't look like a whole lot is going down. Okay? I'm out here trying to do evangelism, and they're like, okay, cool, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm like pleading with people to run to Jesus, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, they ain't even about to do that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm trying. You know what I'm trying? And, 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 and if, if I just look at the slowness of the results, I could be so discouraged. But when I look at the promises of God, that if I continue to serve and speak in the name of Jesus, he will produce fruit. It should produce some confidence in you to not give up on yourself and not give up on others. He tells this other parable that the, the work of God in humanity may start small, but it grows and becomes large. Look at verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when it is sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Y'all, the reality is that the beginning of spiritual growth is often very, very small. It's like that in the individual. 
Maybe you're, when you first started considering Christ, maybe it was just a spark of curiosity. Maybe it wasn't a burning one. You're like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Maybe it was a, an offhanded conversation that you had with somebody that made you go, maybe I should consider that. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it wasn't even a good one. <laughs> but you're like, well, maybe that, maybe I should pay attention. It starts small, y'all. Yet all mature Christians' faith begins as a small spark. Yeah? So if, if you have that small spark or you observe that small spark in the heart, you pray that that spark would grow into a flame. It starts small in the individual and it starts small in the church. This church started out simply as an idea and a prayer. It was an idea, like maybe I should start a church. Maybe it could look like this. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. But God uses that small spark and he produces something that is greater than you can even imagine. Y'all, listen, when Jesus rose from the dead and he said to his disciples, y'all, I want y'all to wait in the room and for the Holy Spirit. It was like a little over 100 people. That's how big all the, the whole church was 100 people. And you turn around now, and there's about 2 billion people who claim that name. It started small, but it grew. See, Jesus wants to encourage and teach his disciples. Listen, he says, I want you to bear fruit. And you go, but it's slow, and I don't know if it works, and it's frustrating, and, and, and I, I can't just see a discernible difference in me, and I don't just see a discernible difference in others. And he's, and he's telling these parables to say, hold up, let me paint a picture of what it's really like. So that you won't be overly discouraged. So that you won't be you won't be confused when it seems as if it's a small spark or a little desire, but he will use that and grow it. You look at verse 33, it says he was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. Here's this hard truth that we talked more in depth about last week. Is that those who do not intend to follow Jesus will not understand the preaching. That the posture of your heart determines the degree of your understanding. If you set out with a hard heart and you go, I don't really want to do this thing. No matter what I say to you, the posture of your heart it's going to make you go, I don't think that even makes sense. Listen, those who merely came to hear a speech did not understand the true meaning of Jesus' words. Those who, who came to Jesus to be entertained, maybe they had a, a little bit of a curiosity, but no intention to actually run after him, they did not understand. So much in Christian life is about the posture of your heart. Listen, if God is who he says he is, then the posture of my heart should be an inclination to obey him even before I know what he's going to say. That when I'm listening to what he says, I go, I want to do, I don't know exactly what you're going to say, but I know who you are and what you did. So, so the posture of my heart is I want to obey. And beloved, that posture, Jesus blesses. He blesses with understanding. He blesses with fruit. Listen, God gives understanding and encouragement to those who follow him. In verse 34, it says what? Privately, however, 
he explained everything to his own disciples. The ones who understand are disciples who pursue Jesus for even more understanding. Jesus actually expects a bit of a pursuit on your part so that you could understand. That means we ought to pursue Christ in prayer and study. And his promise is that he will explain himself. But but if if you say, I don't know if I understood that. Let me can can you help me understand, Lord? That verse doesn't make sense. Let me look at it again. I don't quite understand this teaching. Maybe you ask, like, can you help me understand? I, like, the posture of my heart is I want to understand, and I'm willing to put some effort into that. Jesus is going to bless that. You know, the, the reality is that the life and death of Jesus could be seen as a small, insignificant thing. Jesus was born to a poor, unwed mother. There are, there's a whole 30 years of his life that we don't know anything about. He lived in obscurity, not in the main city, but in some backwoods. He died a criminal's death in an insignificant part of the empire. It wasn't like he was in the capital. He was in South Carolina, y'all. Y'all know where you Be real. Y'all know where you at. Listen, he lived an obscure life came from a poor family, and he did three years of ministry that the majority of the ministry took place in a rural place. And he died on the backside of an empire, yet he rose from the dead, and his small band of disciples became a global movement. This same Jesus can begin and fuel spiritual life and fruit in you. And so if you're here and you're like, I don't even know if I really follow him that much. And I I don't know what I should expect if I do follow him. What I'm telling you is that you ought to come to him and trust that he can produce spiritual fruit in you. That you ought to come to him and that you will see that the things that you desire that are destructive in your own life, he will begin to take that away. And he will give you new desires so that you would be a blessing to those around you. And you would have this joy that surpasses anything you could ever understand. And for those who who already know him, that you would continue to rely and trust in him. And there might be some part of your life where it looks small and insignificant, or you can't get over this thing, or you don't understand that thing, or you don't understand that person, whatever it is. You go, I don't know if he can work in that. No, beloved, you trust in him, rely on him. And to the one who started his kingdom with this insignificant life, this seemingly obscure ministry, or dying on the backside of an empire, that he rose from the dead and his kingdom has spread to the four corners of this earth. You don't think he can handle your life? So you don't give up. Even if it seems small, even if it seems insignificant. My, like, I, I feel like the, 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 the pattern of teaching that I've been, been looking at in the scripture is that Jesus is constantly saying, do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up doing good. This, this is what Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not get tired of doing good. Why? For we will reap at the, a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. One of the major teachings of the Bible is that you have to endure. So what, what does that mean for you? One, one of the questions that I like to ask people when, when I'm having some, some uh, one-on-one conversation 
is, is I like to ask the question, what is the Lord teaching you? Or what is he calling you to do? One, I love that question because sometimes it catches people off guard. You know, the Lord wants to talk to me? He wants me to do a thing? Yes, he does. Yeah? Like, like, like the, the way that the scriptures paint a relationship with Christ is that it is a, it is a, a living and growing relationship with God. So if you are a Christian, he is communicating something to you. Maybe he's convicting you of a particular sin. Maybe he's calling you to be more consistent in a spiritual practice. Maybe he is urging you to do some specific good service or ministry. Whatever the Lord is calling you to do, do not give up because it is hard or slow. Do not give up fighting against sin. You're like, I've been battling this thing forever and ever and ever. Stop. Do not give up because the Lord will give you victory. Do not give up pursuing Christ and pursuing spiritual growth. Be like, I've been trying to have a quiet time for years and I can't wake up. Well, don't give up. The Lord is going to give you strength. Do not give up serving and speaking in Jesus' name. You're like, I don't think they're listening. It doesn't matter. Continue because the Lord will produce fruit. Listen, the confidence from his word should produce in you a boldness and a holy endurance that you would not give up, not because you or I are awesome, but because Jesus made a promise to produce fruit by listening and obeying his word. So don't give up. Endure and trust in the words of Jesus. He will give you spiritual growth. And his kingdom will advance through you. So beloved, do not give up. Father, we, we bless you. We thank you that you have given us your word to instruct us not to give up, that we ought to endure pursuing you, that we ought to endure receiving your word, that we ought to endure serving and loving and speaking to others in your name. Because it's not dependent on how well we do it or, or some secret strategy. It's dependent on your promise. And Lord, if you promise something, you are going to do it. If you, if you promise to produce fruit in us, you will do it. So, Lord, I pray that you would give everybody in this church a, a, a sense of confidence, not in themselves, but in you, the one who speaks and creates and makes things happen. Help us to endure serving you that we will be able to see the harvest, all the good in your life, that you have